It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. We are Odyssey's 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. I'm Al Sackle along with Zane Nafi. And our guest today spent six years with the NFL Network as a producer of Good Morning Football and hosting the segment Hammer Time before moving over to FanDuel TV where you can catch him now. He is Matt Hamilton. Matt, thanks for the time. Guys, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, Matt, you've been making some moves with your career moving over to FanDuel, and I'm interested to hear how that came about. But first, I want to go back a little because I know know your background is more on the football side of things, and then you end up on the TV side with Good Morning Football, and you were there pretty much from the inception. Can you take us back to landing that gig and kind of what led up to that for you? Yeah, so as you said, I did start on the football side. In college, I was a student coach at Missouri with the quarterbacks there in the uh, the Chase Daniel era and early Blaine Gabbert. And um, yeah, after that, I was coaching high school football for a little bit, trying to figure out what direction I was going to go in. I got an opportunity to go to NFL Films and work on a show they had called Playbook, which was very X's and O's based. They needed somebody that knew that side of the game a little bit better to, to help break things down and I learned TV production once I got in the door there. Um, Took a little break in between to go work for the Lions in their scouting department. And um, then ended up, you know, coming back, going over to Good Morning Football. um, Because I just saw, you know, I heard about what they wanted to do with the show. I saw the opportunity that would be there. And I thought it would be a great thing to be a part of. Um, Hoping it would last, you know, um, more than a couple of months with it being so new and, and, you know, something we were launching from scratch, you, you didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out, but I was excited about it and, and wanted to take that leap. So that's how uh, that ended up coming about. And luckily, luckily everything worked out from there. It's funny you say that because we had Kyle Brand on, I don't know, maybe a few years ago and he said the same thing. You guys were going into this blind, not knowing really oh, yeah. what was going to happen, if you were going to be on the air for two months or what it was going to be. And, and the show becomes wildly popular, obviously. What, were you surprised that it took off the way that it did? Or did you really think like, you know what, we may be a little different, but we have something special going here. I did. I remember the first rehearsal that we had and technically production wise, we were kind of a mess, but you saw the four of them together with it with Kay, Nate, Peter and Kyle. And you knew there, there was something there and, uh, and it was, it, it had the chance to be something special if we could get out of our own way. <laughs> and, right. um, Luckily, we figured out that that production stuff and the technical stuff and um, really were able to put them in the position to shine. But it, it really was the chemistry at that desk that that made it what it is. And, you know, we just tried not to screw it up for them. <laughs> but but you ended up you ended up on air. I mean, you end up having the hammer time segment there. And so how does something like that come about? Because you're a producer and then you end up with this segment. Is that something that you have to pitch to them or do they come to you? How did how did that work? So I never saw that really becoming a possibility for myself, to be honest. It was, uh, it all actually spurred out of COVID um, when we were doing the home shows. And, you know, I would always prep like Kyle and Kay and Peter and Nate in the mornings. But, you know, that was kind of done. It was just one-on-one time, just talking through the show, helping them come up with ideas and stuff. And then when we went to the home shows, their home cams were on as they were prepping. And and one of the producers um, down at NFL Films heard me talking Kyle through the show. And he's like, man, he's like, you have so many, uh, like, I love the way you see the game. You have so many ideas. I had no idea that you do this every show like this. Like you have so many thoughts of your own that I'd love to give you a a chance to get out there. So 
um, when when DraftKings at the time came to them with this segment idea, um, wanting to get some sports betting talk into the show, uh, they they pitched me without my knowledge even, and and DraftKings went for it. And um, I initially was like, I'm not sure I want to do that. I don't know if I feel comfortable. And like, no, the deal's done. You're doing it. So they kind of pushed me into it. I'm glad they did because. I've really enjoyed doing it and it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and, and helped open even more doors. Yeah. And as time goes on, you know, things change, people leave things like that. And, and Nate moves on and Kay moves on. And then you kind of drop the bomb that, that you're going over to FanDuel too, where obviously Kay is. Um, what went into that decision for you to make them move? And was it a difficult one? Oh man, it was the toughest decision I ever had to make, to be honest. It was, um, you know, uh, that show starting something from the ground up like that, you feel such an attachment to it mm-hmm. and um, getting Jamie and Jason in there too. And, and the show, you know, transitioning so well to having two new hosts. Um, it made it so tough because there's such great people too. And it was like, I got to work with them for a few months and it was awesome. And, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, I was leaving them before, you know, as we were just starting to get close. Um, so it was really, really hard, but ultimately, uh, with FanDuel, just uh, the chance to start something new again, um, you know, with that network launching from scratch, obviously K, K show up in Adams launching from scratch, um, you know, that got me excited again to be to be in on something from the ground floor. And uh, also they, they were offering me more opportunities to do some stuff in front of the camera, which I feel like I was starting to grow into. And, and I wanted to I wanted to take a chance. I wanted to bet on myself a little bit and put myself out there a little bit more and, and see what we could do. Now, Matt, like, I, I kind of want to give everybody a, a window into what you do and like uh, the, the dedication that it takes. But like, there's also the idea that when you're super close to something and you're doing it all the time, there's a level of burnout. So like, how do you keep yourself motivated despite having the, the long hours of film grinding and long hours of producing and all the stuff that happens behind the scenes? Oh man, it, it it was tough at times. I mean, it's, uh, I loved it so much. That's what kept me going. You know, I, I, I love what I do and I love the game and uh, you know, I know it's such a cliche thing. It doesn't, it, it, I mean, cause sometimes it did feel like work. Don't get me wrong, but some, but a lot of time it doesn't cause I'm doing something that I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it did get to that point, you know, with like getting up at three 30 in the morning, every morning and sometimes working until 10 30, 11 at night um, mm-hmm. and doing that for six years, <laughs> you know, it was a lot, but um, it, it's something that I love doing. And, you know, um, that's definitely not, you know, not why I left because I enjoyed doing it so much. But there, I did have to fight off that burnout a few times. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, sleep helps now and again. <laughs> Every oh, once yeah, in a while. Definitely. <laughs> um, so now, like, switching gears to what's going on in the NFL right now and the, the current landscape, uh, specifically in the NFC, there's a log jam in the NFC right now. And the 49ers are a perfect example of that. They're a half game out of the division lead. And they're also one game from being out of the playoffs completely. If the season ended today, can you remember kind of a time when the NFL season had so much parody across the board? It was just so wide open. Man, thinking back, I, I feel like there's been a few times, but nothing, nothing quite like this because even those times where there was some parody, there was still, you know, you expected the Patriots to be around at the end and they were, um, Mm. you know, the Packers were always kind of that way. They, you figure you're going to see them in the title game, no matter what. Uh, so 
it's never quite been like this. Cause even with the Eagles, as great as they've been this year, even with the Vikings with that eight and one record, I could see those teams falling, you know, the first, whoever doesn't get the bye, I could see them falling uh, the first weekend of the playoffs. So I really do think it's wide open. And, and I kind of feel that way in both conferences, obviously the AFC hierarchy is a little bit more established, but as we saw with the bills, all it takes is one slip up and all of a sudden there are all these teams waiting to climb over you on that ladder. So uh, it's, it's been an absolutely fascinating season so far. Yeah. And the, the Niners kind of seem to be the, the trendy pick from some to come out of the NFC because they have a lot of what it takes. And then especially after Christian McCaffrey trade, which I'll get to in a second, but they have, they have a championship caliber roster. They have a really good head coach and Jimmy Garoppolo is playing his best football since he's been here. So a lot of people are, are realizing that and, and kind of saying, hey, if they can kind of put it all together and get healthy, they can kind of make a run here. What things do you feel like need to go right for the Niners to be able to make that like a reality? I think you hit the biggest thing, which is health. I think that's the biggest thing that's held them back so far this year. But it seems like things are coming together at the right time. And, and I'm one of those people that's that's really high on this team when all the pieces are there. And I, I think they're still working out some things from a chemistry perspective because they haven't been able to play with their with their full lineup uh, at any point this year. It seems like there's always been someone out. So I think now getting some of those guys back, you're, it's going to take a little bit of time for it to gel. Um, they're a little bit behind some teams from that standpoint. I think we saw it last weekend against the Chargers. But from a talent perspective, from a coaching perspective, I, I, I fully expect this team to be in the mix and contention in the NFC once again. Man, I can say that from from a 49ers fan perspective and a Bay Area perspective or wherever you are, if you're a 49ers fan, when Trey Lance went down, like it was just the most Ugh. jarring thing for us. It was just unbelievable because that was like worst case scenario. Because if he played this year and he was just not great, like that would be one thing. But he just him going out with the season ending injury was just the worst outcome. So we went from like that low to the high of basically leading the division for a little bit and now being right there. So it's been it's kind of been an up and down season. And it hit another kind of high point when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, which no one really saw coming. Like we heard whispers, right? But nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Um, what was the, the feel kind of around the league when they did actually make that trade? I mean, there was a lot of excitement uh, for all of us covering it too, because as you said, it wasn't something we necessarily saw coming. And uh, it's just, getting him with Kyle Shanahan, I think was, was a fun thing for us. Like we couldn't wait to see, how Shanahan was going to use him, and we saw it in that in that second game. I mean, just every imaginable way you could get the ball in his hands, he did it. Um, I think we're still there's still a lot of untapped stuff that we're going to see. I think there there is an element of like saving him, trying to preserve him, keep him fresh for later in the season where they're really going to need him. But uh, but uh, I mean, it's as exciting as it gets, and and it also it also signaled to me like, hey, they're going for it. They're all in right now because. Mm-hmm. They wanted to outbid the Rams, make sure the Rams didn't get their hands on him. And, uh, you know, th- that th- giving up a, a premium draft pick for a guy that's making a lot of money and you're going to have to figure out down the line, like that's that's a sign that, hey, this this management is all in on, on what this team has right now. A lot of the talk locally around the team, though, is sort of, I guess, one frustration, Matt, that might be able to derail them has sort of been – that they've had trouble scoring consistently. And, and Kyle's been a little bit mm-hmm. conservative in some of the way he's gone about things. And even if you look, 2019, they only put up 20 points against the Chiefs. 
uh, last year in the NFC Championship game. They only put up 17. And the frustrations this year with all that talent, they really haven't put it together quite yet. And even going back to last season, I think the last 18 games, they're averaging about, about 22 points a game. With that much talent on that side of the ball, why do you think there's been some issues with scoring in terms of Shanahan and his offense? I mean, I, I think it's it, it, a lot of the time it comes down to Jimmy. Um, you know, I, I like Jimmy. I think he's a solid quarterback. But, I mean, you guys know better than anybody. You don't know necessarily always week to week which version of him you're going to get. And when you get good Jimmy, this offense is – it looks unstoppable. When Jimmy's a little bit off his game or he's pressing a little bit too much, it can get ugly. And uh, I think some of the some of the reshuffling of the offensive line that had to be done, I think that's been part of it as well. I think they've gotten a little bit stronger as the season's gone on. But when you lose some key pieces to your line like that, you know, it's a tough thing to overcome sometimes. And we saw, I mean, you see it with the Rams right now, losing Whitworth and and some other pieces, yeah. it's thrown them into shambles. So, um, you know, I think that's been a part of it. Um, but I do think it's also Jimmy. And I think, you know, I think Jimmy's gotten a little better for the most part. You know, there's still some ups and downs, but I think it's it's been a steady progression uh, with each passing week this year. Um, you know, you also have to remember he missed uh, with him missing all of training camp with the shoulder and just having to get back, you know, physically back into shape, but also back on the same page. He wasn't getting those mental reps. He wasn't getting those reps to develop mentally either um, in camp and, and in the preseason. So. Um, I think it makes sense that it would take him a little bit longer to kind of look like himself again. And I think we're, we're seeing him start to get there, but there is always that, that nervousness that comes with him. Yeah. And, and, and one, one credit I can give to Kyle Shanahan, he good head coaches are the CEOs, right. And they put good people around them. And we've seen Robert Sala get a head coaching job and Mike McDaniel, what he's doing in Miami. Now D'Amico Ryan's looks like a rising star in the league. Do you see him as somebody that can be a hot head coaching candidate this off season? I do. I, I, I really do. I think he's done such a phenomenal job at that defense. Again, it's a defense that had to be reworked over the last couple of years, too. I mean, credit to John Lynch for finding an influx of young talent. Like, Bufanga has been a revelation there. And, um, yeah. you know, they've drafted so well and provided him the talent. But you see, you know, the way that he's been able to scheme things up and, and make this the number one defense in the NFL. It's 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 been incredibly impressive. And all the players seem to love him and respond to him. So absolutely, I think he's a guy. Because you think now, like, everybody's targeting the young offensive coaches. But Robert Sala's success, I think, has to bode well for another defensive guy getting a job. And even even though the record isn't great in Chicago right now, seeing Matt Eberflus get that job, bring in a good young offensive mind with him, and you're seeing fields start to develop. I mean, everybody, I think, knows that team just doesn't really have a ton of talent. But I think Eberflus is – you're seeing them develop and you're seeing some stability there. So uh, even though the record isn't great, I think that bodes well for a defensive coach getting another job as well. Now, keeping the kind of defensive theme here, Nick Bosa, is he a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate? I think he is. I mean, you, you see the impact that he has out on that field every single week. I mean, he's just just multiple impact plays every single game, week in and week out. Um, it's, it's been incredible to watch. And I do think it's kind of a wide open race right now. I think Michael Parsons is probably still the favorite. Um, he's cooled off a little bit after coming out of the gate so hot. Um, but I think you still give him the edge, but I think it's anybody's game right now. Matt, before we let you go, I do have to ask, we brought up Trey Lance earlier and I'm curious 
of your opinion just of him in turn we haven't seen much of him and he hasn't played much in the last few years but do you see him as somebody that can take this team to the next level where are you in terms of him being a few maybe a future star in the league man and that's the toughest thing beyond just you know feeling for him on a personal level for having to go through that injury for the organization it's another year that you lose and being able to evaluate him with the with the clock ticking on that rookie contract and uh, from it's really hard to say from what we've seen from him so far, because as you said, the sample size isn't big enough. But I look at traits and the arm strength, the mobility. I, I saw some of the mental development from him, even just in the preseason of how he was reading defenses and, and making pre-snap decisions. Um, and those are the areas where I feel like, you know, from what, when we saw him in as a rookie, he struggled in, and I saw a lot of growth there, a lot of development there. Obviously, we know he's a really intelligent guy. Uh, we know he's super athletic. I think he has all the tools to be really successful, and I'm as bummed as you guys are that we didn't get to see it this year really come to fruition. But, again, this could also be an opportunity, too, for him to hone the areas of his game mentally that he needs to work on, even though he can't do things physically. And uh, hopefully by next year, he's feeling healthy and, and we get a real good look at him. But I, I, I think the ceiling is um, is tremendously high for Trey Lance. And, and I hope he can get back to health and, and we can really see what he has. Matt, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. We love what you're doing at FanDuel. Uh, hope that, you know, the sky's the limit for you, man. So keep up the good work. And, and we love seeing you on air. And we got to do this again sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you having me. You do a phenomenal job as well. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, it, man. man. Thanks for being on, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Of course. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. All right, Zane.